Okay, good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. And if everyone could, could mute themselves, I'm hearing some, a little bit in the background there. My name is Larry Kay, and I will be the host for our presentation this morning. Today is Sunday, July 17th, 2022. Let me give you the share ID numbers for Friday, July 15th. Uh, the share ID for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, that number, 19,189. That's 19189. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting on Friday, 19,190. That's 19190. This morning, A Vision for You presents Repairing the Damage. You know, by the time that we arrive at step nine, we, we've done a considerable amount of work, right? We've, um, we're trying to forge a pathway towards uh, the beginning of a, of a revolutionary spiritual change, and we, we started to do that at this point. And each of the steps are designed to kind of coalesce together, and each one builds off one another, essentially in an effort to enable the sufferer to Find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. There's the thesis line in the book. Find this power. And in fact, on page 45, the second paragraph again informs us that that's just one of the objects of this book, to find this power. Rather, it tells us it's not just one of the objects, it's the, the main object of the text. And if that's the main object of this book, of this text, then what I've heard is it better be the main object of my life. So, you know, what does step nine ask us to do? Well, we know uh, step nine may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except to do so would injure them or others. And page 76 provides the specific instructions. It says, and I quote, we have a list of all persons we harmed and to whom we, we are willing to make amends. We made it when we took inventory. We subjected ourselves to a drastic self-appraisal. Now we go out to our fellows and repair the damage done in the past. We attempt to sweep away the debris which is accumulated out of our effort to live on self-will and run the show ourselves. So we, it essentially gives us our marching orders. We, we have to clean up our side of the street. Now, joining us this morning to share their experience on repairing the damage are three recovered panelists, three recovered compulsive overeaters. And each of them are going to share for approximately 12 to 15 minutes, um, they'll, they'll time themselves, about not only their character defects and the consequences which followed and their step nine actions necessary to correct their wrongs, they're going to... Um, they're going to give us uh, just what this process was like for them. The three panelists, we have Shanna C. from Tennessee. We have Ken W.H. from North Carolina this morning. And then we have Sam S. from Rhode Island. And so we're going to start with, uh, with our first panelist, Shanna C. Shanna, good morning. And Shanna, go ahead and press star one. Good morning. This is Shanna C. Thank you so much, Larry. Um, sure. Sorry, it took me a second to log on there with the, uh, with the buttons and the muting and all of that. Um, again, I'm Shanna C., uh, Grateful Recover Compulsive Overeater. 
And it's uh, by the uh, grace of God, the program of Overeaters Anonymous, the 12 steps out of the big book, this fellowship, this meeting, that I haven't found it necessary to compulsively eat since uh, September 30th of 2019. For that, I'm truly grateful. It's a miracle for my life. Um, sorry. Thank you. Um, thank you, Larry, for your service. Uh, thanks, a vision for you and all of the people that put this meeting together every day. Um, this meeting has saved my life, um, and it has helped me uh, continue to repair the damage that I have uh, that I created in, in the past in living in self-will. Um, I do want to say that uh, you know repairing the damage is a daily thing for me. Um, am I going through every single day feeling guilt, worry, remorse, and morbid reflection over my past today? No, I'm not. Um, through the process of working these 12 steps, I get to see that, uh, you know, uh, by tapping into that power greater than me, I get to experience the love and forgiveness that uh, always eluded me, that I was absolutely unable to give to anybody um, or receive. Um, but when I reached the absolute end of my own rope, as far as being able to live life on life terms and being relationship with people, um, being, you know, having any power to do anything productive. You know, I was that person in the big book on page 52. Um, uh, let's get back to that. Uh, it says, you know, we uh, were having trouble with personal relationships, couldn't control our emotional natures. We're a prey to misery and depression. We couldn't make a living had a feeling of uselessness, were full of fear, were unhappy, and couldn't seem to be of real help to other people. Um, that, that was me. And uh, as a result of being that way, I caused a lot of damage in pretty much every relationship I ever had. But through the process of, of being able to give my will and life over to the care of God as I understood him, in step three and in step four, being able to take that personal inventory and see where exactly that they the nature of my wrongs and defects of character that, that drove um, those decisions. Um, I've been able to, uh, you know, see the, the, the nature of the damage that I did. And with the help of a loving sponsor, I was able to uh, follow the directions in this book and, and repair some damage. And I want to share some of my amends that I've been able to make of, throughout recovery. I've been in recovery all total for about uh, going on 14 years, and October will be 14 years, but I've been in OA recovery abstinent uh, since uh, to, uh, September of uh, 2019. And I found that being in the process and living in 10, 11, and 12, this has just afforded me another opportunity to continue to grow and surrender and be of help to others, which is unbelievably wonderful. Um, you know, this not step promises talk about how no matter how far down the scale we've gone, we could see our experience can benefit others. And uh, there goes that feeling of uselessness and self-pity, right? So thankful for that. <clears throat> okay, so um, uh, one of the amends that I got to make uh, early on was uh, an amends to a man who actually, he had murdered my mother. Um, my mother uh, was 49 years old. I was 19. I was born on her belly button birthday. And uh, so we shared the same birth date. And long story short, she left him. He couldn't live without her. And therefore, no one else was going to be allowed to. 
He walked into her real estate office, shot her three times and killed her. Um, and of course, you can imagine the, the, the trauma that came from that. And for that reason, I, I gave myself uh, plenty of permission to feel sorry for myself and to use that situation selfishly because I had no power to be or do any different. To use the situation to garner attention and make an excuse for every bad thing I ever did and for every bad feeling I ever had. And it wasn't until I reached the nadir of despair in, um, you know, in my life that, that I found recovery and whatever, and I became willing to make amends to this person. And even this, though the big book talks about on page 77, um, you know, the, the question of how to approach the man we hated will arise. Of course, I hated this man. Uh, he killed my mom. And it says it may be he has done us more harm than we've done him. And though we have acquired a better attitude toward him, we're not still too keen about admitting our faults. Nevertheless, with the person we dislike, we take the bit in our teeth. It is harder to go to an enemy than to a friend, but we find it much more beneficial to us. We go to him in a helpful and forgiving spirit, confessing our former ill feeling and expressing our regret. I will. Ha I do have to say that, you know, Larry was talking about, uh, you know, that establishing that conscious contact with the God of our own understanding. And I have to say that making amends is where I have really and truly seen the reality of God in my own life and in the lives of others and, and taking the action of step nine. And in this particular instance, this was a situation where I was instructed to pray about, pray for the guy, he's a sick man, this kind of thing. And, and as I started doing that, I started developing strangely enough, compassion for this person, you know, and I got to see they, that he, like me, possibly was sick too. And uh, how many times should I have probably killed someone driving while intoxicated? I can't tell you how many times that, that I did that. How many mothers could I have killed? Sisters, daughters, could I have killed? Um, as a result of my living in self-will, as a result of my own spiritual sickness. And that's those thoughts like that started coming. I started thinking, my God, I couldn't live with myself had I done something like that. And here I, you know, here he is sitting in prison for the rest of his life for what he had done. And is it possible that, you know, when he was a child, he didn't, you know, he, when he was a kid, he didn't tell, say to himself, you know what, I'm going to grow up to be a murderer. I'm going to be spiritually sick. And that's what I want to aspire to be in life. No, I don't believe that. I believe his illness got to him the same way mine got to me, but for God's grace, mine didn't progress to the point that his did. So those kinds of thoughts started happening. And so I continued to pray for him, and I went to my sponsor, and after having done my homework, I resolutely looked at my own mistakes in that particular instance because, you know, the resentment was going to kill me regardless of what happened with him. And so, um, you know, looking back over the course of my relationship with him, I was a bad stepdaughter. I was selfish. I used him. I didn't want anything to do with him unless he was giving me money. I was very extremely disrespectful. That said, I was instructed to write him an honest letter. <clears throat> so I wrote the letter. It was scary. Um, but the letter mainly just said, Larry, I'm sorry you're in pain. I forgive you. Sincerely, Shanna. Put it in the mail. A couple of weeks later, I got a response from him opened up the uh, letter he sent me, and it was this beautiful Thomas Kincaid painting. Sorry. I get emotional every time. But it was a beautiful Thomas Kincaid painting with a card, and on the inside of it was a handwritten in calligraphy, the devotional he was doing the day he received my letter, and it had 
the topic was all about forgiveness and letting go of the past and how God's forgiveness goes so deep and that no matter how far, no matter what we've done, um, that we can be forgiven and we can move forward. And that was what he, that was a devotional he was doing the day he received the letter from me telling him I forgave him. And the letter also said, I'm so happy to hear from you. I'm so happy that you forgave me. And he says to me, I know God must live in your heart because no one could forgive me for what I did unless God lived in their heart. I'm so sorry for what happened in the past. May God bless you and thank you for writing me. Out of that, I learned that God had already forgiven him before my letter even arrived. So who am I to continue to hold on to the resentment that was killing me? And I also learned that God can use anyone anywhere, no matter what they've done, to share God's love. And he shared God's love with me. He let me know that God lived in my heart. He used a murdering criminal to show me that the consciousness of my belief had come to me through working these steps. And I don't have any resentment toward the man anymore. I haven't been in contact with him, you know, um, since then. But I've been set free. And I wish him well. And um, I'm so grateful for that. And, um, you know, when I first got into recovery, there was an incident that happened where I broke my son's favorite toy. It was an electric guitar. I was a miserable uh, person without a solution. Um, You take away the addictive substance from me, and then there I am. I'm a miserable human being, and I broke his favorite toy right in front of him just to get his attention after he disobeyed me. It was a beautiful electric guitar, and he cried. He said, Mama, why are you so mean? And in that moment, I fell down, and I said, God, I have no idea. I mean, I'm scared of what I'm capable of. And in that moment, I saw my abusive father all over me, and I was becoming just like the very man I swore I'd never become. And I begged God for help, and uh, through a series of events, I was led into 12-step recovery. Fast forward to when my son, he was then six years old. Fast forward 10, 11 years later, my son was getting ready to turn 16. And about six, uh, two weeks prior to that, he, uh, to his birthday, I started remembering that incident where I broke his guitar and broke his heart. He didn't remember the incident, but I did, and it was eating me alive. And I started praying about it. I talked about it with my sponsor, and they said, just pray about it. You know, ask God what you should do, how you can repair that damage, whatever. And I I said, okay, God, you know, whatever you want me to do, please enable me to the opportunity. I would love to make this right. About two days prior to my son's birthday, I asked him what he wanted for his birthday. He said, Mom, I'd love a brand new electric guitar. I got the opportunity to go out and buy him a brand new electric guitar. He didn't remember the incident. He's never had to see me ever use my my addictive substances. I got to be with God and experience all the God shots that came along. I found the one that he wanted. I had plenty of money for it and was able to present that to him. And not only that, I was able to give him a case for it. And that same boy in October has a gig in Nashville. He was asked to play at a festival in Nashville just this year. You know what? I'm so grateful for the do-overs we get as a result of forming that relationship with God upon simple and understandable terms and clear, concise directions that feel so clunky and mechanical when we're doing them. But I was told by my sponsor that in those moments when we're following those directions, we are actively putting our faith in the God of our understanding. And that is us showing up spiritually, and God does the rest. And I'm telling you, 
this happened in my life, and that's the kind of stuff that keeps me coming back, and that's the kind of stuff that enables me to have the courage to put down that food on a daily basis. And for that, I'm truly grateful. I'm so grateful, and um, I get to live this life day to day, and I'm so thankful for you guys, and with that, I'll pass. Shanna, Shanna C. from Tennessee, thank you so much, Shanna, for sharing just a, a riveting intimate piece of yourself to, in, in, the, in the service of our fellowship. Really appreciate that, Shanna. Okay, next up, our panelist number two is Ken W.H. from North Carolina. Ken, good morning. Thanks, Larry. This is Ken uh, W.H., Recover Compulsive Eater from North Carolina, and thank you, Shanna. Um, uh, as soon as I stop... <laughs> As soon as I clear the, the tears out of my own eyes, I'll be able to read my notes. Oh, that was beautiful. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, you touched me in, in some special ways. Thank you. Um, step nine, um, it says on page 83 that the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. So uh, step nine is uh, I better not enter it alone. Um uh, and I, I better not enter it just with my sponsor. I better enter step nine uh, amends with God. This is a spiritual uh, process, and God better be there with me, or I'm probably going to make a mess of it or, or just make the the amend um, empty. God needs to be in it for me. Um, it says in the book that our... Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Um, what I'm aware of for me, um, I had somebody once say, talking about the um, eighth step list, and he would always say, um, I always, if I want to put my name on the list at all, it put it at the bottom. And the, I, I, at first I thought, hmm. It seems a little, uh, a little extreme, but I've come to understand that that is absolutely correct for me. Uh, in fact, I don't even put myself on a, a nice, an eight-step list because by doing the ninth step, I am doing the greatest possible amends I could do to myself. I am making amends to myself by responding to God's call to. Um, clean up the wreckage of my past. And um, that's made a, a big difference to me. Then part of the reason I don't want to put myself on that list anymore and to think in those terms is because it makes me think about me. Um, and I need to get out of myself with this. Um, the ninth step is my response, the way I understand it, my response to the grace I have received to the recovery I had experienced up to the time of starting to do these ninth step amends. So um, I am responding to God in uh, when I do an, a ninth step amends. I am responding to the grace I've received and um, am truly blessed by that. And so as a response to God, it's not something I'm doing because it's going to make me feel better or um, I, or for me to hope that you feel better as a result of my giving this ninth step or my my confession, if you will, whatever you want to call it. So um, 
that puts the 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 power back to God for me to make amen, any amends at all. I have to put it back into God's hands, and 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 humbly understand <laughs> that this is God's doing that, that gives me any legs at all to go to somebody and try to make an amends and clear up the records of the past. Um, so. What is an amend, um, and what has it been for me? I've, as uh, Shanna said, uh, I too have been in recovery for a long, long time. Um, I've been around for forty plus years. Um, my first introduction to recovery, and I've been abstinent since July of 2020. So, <laughs> what happened in those other 38 years? <laughs> um, well, I just kept living life and um, doing some of the same things I'd done before. I just wasn't doing another behavior, another addiction. Uh, I had put the plug in the jug, so to speak, but I did not have entire abstinence, which would be the equivalent for me, at least as I understand it. So um, I just kept going along in my life and making some of the same mistakes and still creating some of the same damage or continuing the damage, or creating new damage, uh, as the case may be. And um, it wasn't until two years ago that that I uh, that I finally <laughs> was able to reach that place where um, I could surrender absolutely and I could put the food down um, through the help of folk on this line. And uh, for that, I am forever grateful. So um, I had lots of amends to make, even in recovery, if you will. Um, I hadn't changed many of the behaviors that were a part of my life in full addiction. So I was still a liar. I could still uh, make up things. I could still dodge and weave. Uh, I could lie to my wife. I could uh, lie to you. (laughs) I could lie to anybody. I would... I remember I really need part of doing this service is making amends to OA in general because I was going to -to face-to-face meetings for years and years uh, on food (laughs) um, and telling you that I was abstinent. Uh, I even went years believing I was abstinent uh, even though I was still eating sugar. Uh, I wasn't giving it up. Are you kidding? I wasn't going to let that go, but it was it was eating me up, if you will, inside uh, all those years and making me uh, do and act and think and be uh, ways that were just not uh, what I saw uh, this program leading me to. So what is an amend? Um, I go into it asking God for strength and direction, as it says on page 79, that I do the right thing. Uh, again, I take God with me, and it's to keep it simple, which I'm told is a good idea. Simple, simply state the facts of what I did, and take full responsibility for my own actions. Um, that's that's it. Uh, I, I there's no room for me to soften that process with. Um, what I've heard so often are the apologies that really aren't, such as um, 
yeah, this is what I did, and I'm taking responsibility for that. But I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to do that. Or I didn't intend to. Or I'm sorry, but. (laughs) Or I'm sorry if I hurt you. What? (laughs) The fact it is I'm standing in front of you because I hurt you. I I did things to hurt people. And I know that today. And, yeah, they may have forgotten all about it long ago. Uh, in a galaxy far, far away. But nonetheless, I know today that my behaviors hurt people. And I I needed to get that straightened out. I needed to clear away the wreckage of the past. And um, on page 81, it it talks about... um, uh, Bill touches a little bit uh, on um, what um, what what I'm really looking at in myself, um, because uh, for most of my life I only saw these behaviors in you or the other person, and I would judge that, but I was never quite able to look at it as my own issue, my own unhealthy behaviors, thoughts, attitudes. Um, And so um, he talks about um, what, what do I do with the people who harmed me, whom I am trying to go to and make amends to, such as in Shannon's example, um, what is my part in it? We do that regularly with 10 steps now. What is my part in this? Well, um, I need to look at what in me, what behaviors in me, what thoughts, what words coming out of my mouth were unacceptable um, to me. In other words, if you spoke them to me or if you did them to me or if you thought them about me, that's unacceptable. At least that's the way I would understand it. So I had to look at it for myself. What is unacceptable for me today? And unacceptable behavior is unacceptable, period. There's no justification that makes a bad behavior, a poor behavior, acceptable to me. Um, If my behaviors and attitudes cause brokenness still today, they're unacceptable still today. And I then need to um, continue to, uh, you know, be aware of that. That's what daily inventory is about. And it's unacceptable to, not only to me, it's, it's unacceptable to my recovery, to my marriage, my relationship to God, my relationship to the people I meet in the, in the grocery market or the hardware store, wherever it is. Um, when that brokenness is identified and I see it and, and I'm aware that I've caused some brokenness, my behaviors have created some a broken situation. Again, I'm not going to take responsibility for how you hear my unacceptable behavior or respond to it. That's your side. But when I'm aware that what I've done is not acceptable behavior uh, and that it even had the potential to cause problems, 
I'm at fault. I need to address that. And if I did, in fact, harm someone directly, I need to go get that straightened out. The one thing, uh, a caution I would raise, uh, and I had to raise it for myself, um, on page 81 at the, uh, the bottom paragraph of that, he's he's talking about, um, well, he's in the middle, <clears throat> excuse me, of the discussion with the husband that's been out uh, philandering and um about his wife wanting to know uh, who the other person was and all the details and all that kind of thing. And Bill is basically trying to say that's not important. That's not the real issue. The deeper issue is that he not do that anymore. And it says, we are sorry for what we have done, and God willing, it shall not be repeated. And that always jumped off the page at me. Um, I see a loophole there. And I don't need any loopholes. I don't need any way out of taking responsibility for what I've done, said, or thought. Um, I want to even take a piece of that uh, out and just read the sentence as it is without what's in the commas. We are sorry for what we have done, and it shall not be repeated. Now, that's a statement for me of conviction, of commitment, of uh, facing reality and saying, I really messed up here. And it's not going to happen again. It's not going to happen again. That's what my goal is. And that's what I will be working toward constantly. If I can help it, it's not going to happen again. The God willing seems to suggest, well, if I do it again, it's God willed it. Uh, that may seem like odd logic, but uh, that's kind of the way I read that and hear that. God does not will that I repeat unacceptable behavior. He doesn't want that for me. God always wants the very, very best for me. God loves me to the core in spite of who I am and what I've done and what I may do in the future. He loves me to the core. So he's not willing that I repeat something that I have recognized as inappropriate or uh, harmful creating a, a situation of brokenness. So God is willing. The question here is my willingness. It's my willingness to face the reality that I've broken something or I've caused brokenness and there's something broken in me and it needs to be fixed and I'm not the one to fix it. God will fix it through me. God will give me the power and the strength. Remember, I prayed for that, the strength and direction to do the right thing. That's what God gives me. That's what God is willing for me to do. If I don't do it, that's my responsibility, and that needs to be looked at and looked at deeply. That's a part of my spiritual recovery. That's a part of who I am. Um, the 12 and 12 tells me that if, if I go out to make amends, I better be on the beam. In other words, I'm not entirely confident. I need to be reasonably confident that I can stay on the beam, that I can stay in recovery when I do these things. So that's important for me. Again, it makes me turn back to God, a God who has already revealed to me through my guts that there's something not right here and you need to go straighten it out. Um, I've done many amends over the years, many, many amends, and they're clear. They've been done. They're over. Um, 
But there's one that can, is, is an ongoing process for me. Um, and I still make mistakes in judgment, and I still make mistakes with my mouth. Um, I don't make <laughs> the same mistake I used to make with my mouth. Uh, God gave me a healing on that one, that's for sure, when my mouth was uh, as uh, it was a cesspool, frankly. Um, every other word out of my mouth was profanity, and uh, it was just a way of life for me. Uh, I don't do that today. Um, and I, and it's unacceptable behavior for me. I talk about making an amends to myself. You know, that amends came through God's grace of, of removing that need to use adjectives that have absolutely nothing to do with what I'm trying to say. And I was using them regularly. And <clears throat> I was even using them as verbs. <laughs> and you can all figure that one out. But I just... Um, that's been lifted out of me because, and it stayed out of me because I recognized it for the unacceptable behavior it was for me and that God didn't will that for me anymore. God basically said to me, Ken, you don't need to say that. You don't need to say it that way. And, it's, and it applies beyond just profanities for me. It's just even sarcasm. I used to, I used to use sarcasm constantly. I don't do that anymore. That has been, it took a long time. And literally, <laughs> interestingly, sarcasm is, is two Greek words put together. Sarks and chasm. It's, it's flesh and cut. So to, to use sarcasm is to cut flesh. Well, God had to cut my flesh to get that out of me. <laughs> literally, cut, cut it out of me. It was a, a surgical procedure because I was I was devastating with my sarcasm, and I hurt a lot of people. I know it. A lot of people I'll never be able to make amends to. The amend there is that I just don't do it anymore, and and I find it offensive. I pray for the person that does it back to me or or uses it. I pray for that. Uh, if it if it continues on and on and on and on and nothing changes, even after I have said to a person that that. I'm uncomfortable with that, and they keep doing it, um, I move away. I walk away from it. That's my responsibility today. If, it's, if, it's, if I'm participating in something that's causing brokenness, I need to make an amends for that. I need to make amends to God if I stay in it, or I need to walk away from it. And I need to to pray, and my men to that person would be then to pray, because I have judged. I have, I have decided that their behavior is unacceptable, and I need to pray for them. And that's my commitment to them in response to their, for me, unacceptable behavior. Uh, this can get real confusing, and I, I don't want to make it confusing, but I, I need to remember that I've done a lot of damage with my behaviors and my mouth. And, and um, I'm told to clear away the wreckage of the past, not to clear away the past. This isn't forgive and forget to clear away the wreckage of the past. If I clear away the past, I'm doomed to repeat it, as someone has once said so profoundly. I clear away the wreckage of the past, not the past. 
So I need to use that information that's in there from the past. And, and when I think back to like making amends to my dad who died when I was in high school, uh, how dare he do that to me? I had tremendous resentment. I didn't know it for years. Um, I had to, to understand that, that his heart exploded. So he couldn't do anything about that. That, that was not his fault. My response to it was to withdraw and become private. And I, Today, I have made amends. I am living a different life. I have made forgiveness. I've given forgiveness to my dad. And, and I live free from that, and yet I don't forget it. So that whenever dad comes up in my mind, I, I, uh, I can grieve. I can grieve the loss. I can grieve what he went through. But I don't have to live in it. I don't have to live in that reality of my life years ago. Um, today, um, I'm for living, well, I know we say living life on life's terms a lot, and sometimes life stinks, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Stuff goes on around me today that just really grabs my heart or tears me up or ticks me off. And um, that's life on life's terms, you know, being able to live in it and adjust to it, yes. But what helps me do that is that I try today to live life on God's terms. And God's terms are for me to be well, to be happy, to be free, to be of maximum usefulness to my God and to others. That's, that's the gift of doing amends. I become of maximum service to God and to others. I was so withdrawn in my illnesses, so private, so sneaky, all of that. Um, that's the way it used to be. And it isn't that way anymore because I got busy looking at damage done, making every effort I could to correct that damage and then and move on in my life. The, the best place that it shows forth, and I'll, I'll wrap up with this, is, um, excuse me, amends to my wife. Uh, she has lived with me uh, for now just over 50 years. Um, we've been married 50 years and uh, known each other for 55. Um, no, I'm not 102, but... Uh, We've been together a long time, and we've shared addictions, and we've done things to each other over those at times in the early days, things that are today totally and thoroughly unacceptable. Um, we've grown a lot, and yet I continued to behave in ways that weren't appropriate when it came to food. Uh, yeah, I wasn't drinking anymore, but I was still eating, and I was still hiding and lying and uh, deeply, deeply affected the ability to uh, be soulmates, to be intimate in a real deep sense of intimacy with one another. Uh, that blocked our relationship for many, many years, just kept pulling the rug out from under every time I'd, I'd make a promise that I'll, I'll, it's going to be different, it's going to be different, it's going to be different. And um, after the last relapse, it was just... Uh, no promises. <laughs> there were no promises that 
it's going to be different than anything else. It's just I'm beat. I'm done. And uh, and then I got with the vision folk here and gotten into the big book and really started to understand the doctor's opinion. And I've started to change. And in the last two years, I've changed uh, a, more than, than I did in the first 38. Um, and that's been a, a, a matter of making the changes, being aware of what in me is unacceptable to a healthy marriage. Uh, I'm, I'm not alone in this marriage. There are two of us, and we're both 100% us. And we come together and we make something greater than 100%, frankly, because God joins us. And it becomes a threesome. And, and, I'm, and I'm doing... <laughs> I'm trying to be the husband I was intended to be and that God wants me to be to my wife and to treat her in a way that shows deep, deep respect. That's an amends. That's an amends. So not lying, not cheating, not hiding, all of that stuff is making that amends to bring about healing into a, 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 what at times a deeply broken situation. Uh, even after years and years together. And um, so there's lots of healing going on. And for that, I'm so, uh, I just can't explain how grateful I am. And the ninth step is, is it's the one just before we're supposed to go out there and start sponsoring, at least the way I understand it. Before I'm, I'm, I'm equipped to even share anything is, is when I've cleared up the wreckage of the past and I'm ready to move into this future, this life that is absolutely God-directed and God-graced. Thank you for letting me share. Uh, thank you, Ken. Very, very informative, very instructive, as always, and much appreciated. Okay, now to our next panelist, our final panelist. We have Sam S. from Rhode Island. Her, her friends call her Sam. She made me call, use the longer version, Samuel, for a long time. But Sam, good morning. Thank you for your service. Hey, Larry, good morning. <laughs> you can call me Sam. We'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> my friend, thank you so much for your uh, moderating and leading today. Hi, everybody. My name is, I'm going to set my timer here. My name is Sam S., and I'm a recovered compulsive eater. I live in Bristol, Rhode Island. I am really honored and privileged to have an opportunity to share um, today my experience with step nine. Um, I spent most of my time in this, uh, on this meeting and in recovery, um, in the food, in the disease. And at times uh, I didn't know, and at times I did know. And I think what's worse is um, having a belly full of food um, and a head full of knowledge because you can't unring that bell once you hear it. So I want to briefly qualify here um, to earn my seat today. And the stats here, it's interesting. It used to be on the foreground of my mind and now it's in the background because I've had such a miraculous change as a result of this um, program and a loving God. So I came into uh, the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous in 2017 um, my highest known weight is 203 pounds. That's so about 60 pounds higher than I am today. And I have been 20 pounds lower than I have uh, than I am today. Today I am at a healthy body weight that is at maintenance, which is um, a miracle because I didn't know that word before. 
my first food memory was when I was four of compulsive eating and my first diet was when I was seven. So I spent, uh, you know, a few decades, um, a few decades um, in this illness and in this disease dying and thinking that um, there was no way out. And when I finally reached the level of desperation, I just didn't want to do it anymore. Um, I've been abstinent since January 2nd of 2021. Thank God. Um, absolute miracle. And today, um, food is, like I said, in the background versus the foreground. And at one point, that was the most important thing. How much can I eat and how good can I look? So what I want to talk today is about step nine. And like I said, most of my career in Overeaters Anonymous was um, was really uh, talking about what I thought about the steps, what I thought they meant. And so I never knew what step nine was because I had never taken the most important step, which is <laughs> step one, um, one through eight. And so I realized the first time I heard amends, I just went out and I just started apologizing to, every, <laughs> to everybody. I mean, I sprinkled it on really thick and I didn't understand what it meant. So the step itself says we made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And so what's really important for me as a result of doing my inventory, it really brought about in my consciousness what my conduct was like. So from doing my resentment, my fear, and especially for me, my sex conduct inventory, which a recovered sponsor grounded in the big book in this way of life brought me through that conduct inventory in a way I had never heard about it before. And so what I want to focus on today, I want to focus on a specific amends, which is around my employer and my work, uh, my work life. And so um, I did steps one through eight before we started nine, which was really important. But on step, um, step eight of the AA 12 and 12, I just want to read it because this was really um, stuck out to me. I'm on the, the last full paragraph. We might next ask ourselves what we mean when we say that we have harmed other people. I can still hear my first, you know, my first sponsor's voice out of relapse and really in the honesty saying, well, what's the harm, Sam? What's the harm? What's the harm? And I'm like, I have no idea. I had to look up the word harm in the dictionary so many times. I'm pretty sure there's like, <laughs> there's like a dent in that page. What kind of harm do people do one another anyway? To, def to define the word harm in a practical way, we might call it the result of instinct and collision, which, which cause physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual damage to people. So it goes on. It's a really good read, that paragraph and the one later. I never worried about harm unless I got caught. And to me, the harms that I saw were mine. So the idea in step nine where it does not say, except when to do so would injure me. That was really profound. I don't shy, I was taught, I don't shy away from amends if it will harm me because I have harmed other people. And when I did my inventory, it brought out to my consciousness the depth of harm that I had done to people, places, um, institutions that I had never considered before. And so around my employer, when I took a look at it, what it looked like, and it didn't just look like it with my current employer, but the employer before and the employer before and the employer before, my, the way that it came out was a lot of feeling of entitlement, a lot of giving my employer 
quantity of my time versus quality. I would work overtime, but while I was working my job, I would have a lot of side conversations. I would steal supplies. I created a toxic environment where I pinned people against each other. I really saw in my inventory so much complaining and of stealing my employer's valuable time. They paid me in trusting me. And so when I did my inventory and other avenues, I saw the same thing, entitlements stealing, negativity, toxic, you know, just a toxic environment that I was creating. And so then what I did as a result of doing that inventory, at first I was really blown back. Oh my gosh, wherever I go, there I am. I'm doing this in all my selfishness and self-centeredness. I was completely blind. And so then what I did was um, I, they have a line here in the AA 12 and 12 that says good judgment a careful sense of timing, courage, and prudence. These are all qualities which we shall need when we take step nine. I didn't have any of those, um, at, you know, w- which I saw in my inventory. So what I did have was I had a sponsor that was grounded, that was healthy, that was recovered. I had a spiritual board of directors, women in recovery that cared more about my recovery than my disease. And most importantly, I had women that walked the talk. And so they, I sat there with them and we went through each of my harms that I was able to evaluate. And it says in the big book on 77, our man is sure to be impressed with a sincere desire to set right the wrong. He's going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in our talk of spiritual discoveries. I'm a good talker. I am not a good walker. So I have a couple of guidelines here that I did when I went through my amends that have really been helpful. And I'm hoping that it might be helpful to someone today because amends can seem really scary. And I was really grateful to have wonderful sponsorship and really, really wonderful women in recovery that spoon fed this to me because it can seem quite overwhelming if you haven't done it. And I have to say too, friends, if you are on step one, through eight and you're not on nine, this might be a good talk to maybe bookmark for the future. If you're anything like me, I want to go zero to 100 and I want to make my ends on my first day when I haven't actually gotten out of the food or done the other steps. All the steps are so important. They're really divinely laid out, capital D. So some of the things that helped me, talking to my sponsor before I made an amend to make sure I wasn't doing any more harms. In the big book, it says something here on page 83, we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble without being servile or scraping. As God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anyone. The way that I would apologize before is I would grovel to people. I would do it it, for a couple of reasons because I'm I'm selfish and I'm self-centered and and I don't I don't want to have to make an apology. So I used to grovel to people because I felt really bad and I didn't know an appropriate way. That was one reason. Another one was if I lay myself out on the sword, well, then you have to forgive me. And the other part was I was so uncomfortable with what I had done that I felt like I had to just keep apologizing and making things right and making things right and making things right. And that's not what we do here. So I needed to talk to people before I went out and made my amends to say, here's what I'm thinking. And then I got some help revising how I'm going to conduct this, how, what I'm going to say. The next thing, keep it simple. They have that little K-I-S-S. I'm, I'm lucky. Keep it simple, Sammy. 
stay focused. I actually had a format that I followed in making the amends. So I wasn't adding extra things, taking things away. I wanted to stay completely. It is simple. It really is simple. So having a method of which I followed, almost a template, if you will, so that way I knew what I was saying so I could get it all out because I don't want to make an amends and have to go out and say, oh, just kidding, I forgot to say. So I, I really had a wonderful method laid out. Um, another stay focused when I'm in the amends, I am in the amends frame of mind. And that was really important for me not to go over, not to, not to go under when I'm there. Um, another one, making the approach, asking someone's permission. So with my employer, what I did was I asked my boss's permission to set up a time that was during COVID. So we set up a time, the best way that we could do it was a video call. Now that it is post COVID, you know the the thing that I that I have heard before is if I didn't if I didn't do the harm over the phone, then I make the amends in person. However, I did the harm. So what I did was I I, I uh, reached out to my employer. I asked her for some some of her time that I was not paid for <laughs> because I learned really quickly I was stealing my employer's time. And so the amends for me is I am going to give somebody back something I took. So with the example of my employer, I stole thousands of dollars worth of time, thousands of dollars. It's amazing when I actually did the math how much. So what I set up a time for my employer. I got her permission. I got you know, to make the approach with her. I sat down. I had my little piece of paper. I read off of it before we met, and then I met her face-to-face, and I told her, Here, here's what I've done. I took responsibility. At one point in our talk, she had actually said, no, I do it too, I do it too, I do it too. Nope, this is, this is me. I am finally, I'm being clear. The other important thing, this is the most important thing that I had to learn. I am not making an amends if I'm still doing a behavior. I was so frustrated because I've had sponsors that tell me before, have you stopped? No. Well, then this is pointless. You're not making an amends if you haven't. Amends is change. So doing that for me was really hard because there were ones I want to go in guns blazing. I want to get it all done, but not being able to make the amends until I've actually stopped the behavior that I am apologizing and making restitution for. So I went to my employer and I met with her and I told her I had my little script that I had talked to about people with people, um, people that care more about my recovery than um, my feelings that were really honest with me, practical told her what I had done, what I was going to do, moving forward, and then sticking to that, really committing to that. Um, and then what I also did was I realized in that toxic environment, like it, it's not done in a vacuum. So I went to my employees, my co-employees, and I made amends to them for creating that environment, creating that negativity, doing that. Now, I have really a big caveat here is, talking to sponsors and women in recovery before I make amends. So I'm not just apologizing and that it's not fruitless. So what does it look like today? Today, when I go to my employer, when I, when I show up to work, I show up feeling like I'm a woman of integrity, of dignity. And I'll make phone calls when I'm on employee time, unless I'm punched out. I give them an honest days of work. I give them quality. I mean, quality like that I, I know doesn't come from me. Um, I 
don't engage in gossip, negativity with my co-employees. It's funny. We have a kind of a group chat that I'm, I'm in, but I, I can't be in because I, you know, um, it's a dubious luxury of normal people to be able to engage in that behavior. For me, it's not healthy. And so they know if they need me, they actually have to send kind of like a, it buzzes out so that they know like, oh, we have to get Sam's attention because I, I won't do it. And, I'm, and I, didn't, I didn't tell my uh, coworkers, you have to stop doing this. This is bad behavior for you. You know, I don't, I don't do that today. So I show up. Um, I give my, I, I can't tell you how many um, positive reviews I've gotten after doing this amends and really changing my conduct at work. And it bleeds out everywhere because when I get to leave work and I know I've, I've put in an honest day and I've given service, um, I mean, I can float out of my little office. I work from home. I work from home. So I have a lot of opportunities if I wanted to, to engage in, you know, a lot of selfish behaviors, but I've learned from the consequences that um, having a dishonest life um, in one area leads to everywhere. And eventually, food does seem like a step up if I'm not living in that in that value system that I've learned. So those are just some kind of practical ways. It's one example. I've I've made a lot of amends. A lot of money um, has been paid, but a lot of other amends. And amends can be creative and fun. So if anybody's scary about this. Uh, scared about it don't be scared this is wonderful and it wasn't until I made the amends process that I really felt like I was a member of Overeaters Anonymous so I hope that's helpful thanks with that I pass thanks Larry oh thank you so much Sam beautiful share uh, we appreciate that okay we're going to transition now to a questions and answer period so um, just to let you know that I'll be taking names in just a moment we uh, the three panelists were Shanna C from Tennessee Ken W.H. from North Carolina, and then you just heard from Sam S. from Rhode Island, all sharing about step nine. So with that, if you would like to, if you have a question, questions only, please, if you have a question for one of the panelists or collectively, please give me your first name and last initial, and we'll get started with the Q&A. Bonnie B. from Boston. Bonnie, Katie, was it Matthew as well? Matthew G. Mary. Mary C, uh -huh. Ohio. Lori. Jen S. Ali. Massachusetts. Ali. I heard Jen and Elise. Felicia S. from New Jersey. Elise S. Elise S. from Florida. Okay, I got Elise. Let me tell you who I've heard so far. I heard Bonnie, Katie, Matthew, Lori, Jen, Elise, and Felicia. Did I miss somebody? Eileen L. Eileen. Okay, let's start. that's a good first round here. We'll 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 pick you up on the other end if we still have time. Let's start with Bonnie with the question, followed by Katie. Hey Bonnie, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Um Bonnie, I think we, we lost you. If you could press star one again. Okay, let's try again. Um, thank you so much. I was talking away. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, um, Ken, Shanna, and Sam for your service. Beautiful and super informative this morning. I do have um, one question, and it's for anyone on the panel. Um, I've got one amends that I um, really knew I needed to make. I've made many amends and have found great freedom. But one amends that I knew I needed to make, I did reach out um, twice, um, and my calls were declined. 
And so, um, I'm, you know, I was actually thinking about it again this morning because of this program and wondering, you know, do I pen a letter? Do, at what point do I not attempt? Um, I know the big book says you don't want to cause harm. So if I have called twice and she has declined both calls, would it be causing harm to try to put pen to paper and to once again, um, you know, let her know how deeply, um, you know, how much I regret the behavior that I displayed when I was employed by her. So any feedback would be great. And thank you so much. Bonnie B. Um, recovered by the grace of God, Minnesota. Okay. Any of the panel members or all of them? Hello, this is Shanna C. from Tennessee. Can you hear me? Yeah, Shanna, go right ahead. Wonderful. Uh, thank you so much, Bonnie B., for your question. Um, uh, true, we don't want to continue to cause harm. Um, and I just know that for me, when it comes to amends like that, uh, I had um, I had an experience with my mother-in-law. I had... Um, I had approached her with an amend, and I had made an amends, and she sat down and begrudgingly listened to me, um, you know, for good reason. And I stuck with the directions in the book, you know, and the directions of my sponsor, and I basically, you know, I made the amends. I stayed my wrong, expressing my regret. And in a nutshell, what she had said back to me was, um, don't make amends to me anymore. You know, how, what can I do to make it right? What can I do to, you know, repair the damage or whatever? She goes, do not make amends to me anymore. I don't want to hear it anymore. And so that said, um, <laughs> my, I went back to my sponsor sort of brokenhearted and and was just like, I don't understand. And, you know, not all amends are flowery and beautiful. Uh, this one wasn't for me. And I was uh, disappointed because I didn't my way. I didn't get what I wanted. Um that said, my sponsor said, well, your amends to her is to not make any more direct amends to her. And what I've since found out is I get to show up and uh, practice restraint of tongue and pen, practice praying, practice uh, being patient, kind, and loving, you know, uh, those kinds of things. Um, and then when I'm frustrated, I get to do a 10 step and practice step 11 and be, you know, regardless, can I be sober, considerate, abstinent, and helpful regardless of what anyone says or does or, you know, doesn't do. Um, that said, when it comes to those kinds of amends where they're not accepting my calls or they're not, um, I don't know where they are or I don't know how to get in touch with them, I'd love to make it right, you know, it's basically be backing up and punning, saying, okay, God, thy will, not mine, be done. How would you have me do this? And I was instructed early on that this is this amend stuff is up to God. In other words, I'm not in control of when and how it happens. I just need to show up and be ready for when it does. An example of an amend that I made to a girl that I had horribly used in college was completely selfish in our friendship, unbelievably ridiculous um but yet she was she was still kind and loving to me and i hadn't seen her in about a decade and i was pretty new in recovery and uh she kept coming to my mind um i had gone to a fitness center that she and i used to frequent when we were in college i you know 10 years later i went back to this gym and i'm walking in and i'm reminded of this person i looked up to the to, to the sky and i said god i have no idea absolutely no idea where this person is if she's dead or alive but i would love to set right and make amends to her somehow, but you're going to have to help me. 
I don't know when or how that's going to be, but I had done my homework on the amends. I knew what I needed to do to set right the wrong. There was a fine, it was of a financial nature as well. And uh, so I prayed about it and I'd let it go and I talked about it with my sponsor at the time. And um, anyway, uh, this was on a Sunday. On a Wednesday, I went back to that gym. I'm walking in and lo and behold, there she is on an elliptical machine right in front of me as soon as I walk in the door. And I would love to say that I gleefully went over to her and whatever fearlessly made this end, but no, I was shrinking. <laughs> I had to go back and get on my knees and pray to God for the courage to to do this because that drastic step was indicated, you know, and I knew that I, that I must not shrink. And, um, and I was able to make that financial amend right then and there in that gym. And, um, you know, that, that's what happened for me. So for me, it's basically the trusting and relying upon God. You know, it says in step eight, we became willing to make amends to them all. There's a difference between the willingness and the making the direct amends, you know, and uh, it's trusting God with the timing of it. Like uh, was mentioned um, in Sam's talk, you know, the timing and the prudence and all that. I got to rely on God for that. And um, just re- continue to ask God for the willingness to make those amends wherever and to be ready. Thou will not mine be done. That's all I have. Thank you. Thanks so much for the question, Bonnie. Um, what, let's move on to Katie, uh, followed by Matthew. Katie, you have a question? Okay, it's Katie G. Good morning, fellows. Katie, Katie G, anorexic bulimic and compulsive eater. Hello. Y'all blew me away. 10WH, cheer up. I love your connectivity. I loved everything you said. Final frontier is it's a long walk into the woods, a long walk out with these spouses. I was wondering if you could comment on any additional work that you have done. My experience has been uh, repeated humiliation and the final crushing blow of my self-sufficiency. I'm just wondering any, um, it sounds like you've really come a long way with your spouse. I was wondering any um, other particular work you've done, not outside of the big book, obviously, but anything you have found particularly helpful in terms of repairing um, the damage that has occurred. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for the question, Katie. Um, um, <laughs> to, to keep it really simple is just to be honest. <laughs> um, that was a new thing is to start being uh, totally honest with my wife. And um, she has been amazingly patient in my coming to a place where I can honestly say what I was feeling. Uh, I used to always say that I I didn't know what I was feeling. And then I'd have these feeling lists and I'd try to go down the list and I still wasn't able to um, say exactly how I was feeling, that I had, that I was feeling resentful at her. For goodness sakes, I didn't have to, I didn't have any resentments when I got into recovery, especially for her. I mean, I owed her everything. She was so patient and everything else. Well, I've come to learn today that we're both human beings and that uh, she is open and honest with me. And I am learning day by day to be open and honest, tell the truth. Um, And um, we do uh, share just about everything. We are now best friends. And uh, for many, many years, we weren't. Um, In fact, uh, there was lots to not like about each of us. And, Today, we are each other's very, very best friend, soulmate, 
companion, and we, we nurture that. I was asked to do some service last Friday, and I, I said, well, I, can't, I, I would love to, but that's marriage day, and I don't give that up for anything. And uh, if we've set aside time for us, that's, uh, you know, that's sacred time for us. We pray together. We, uh, we worship together. We do all kinds of things together. Uh, we have a new life together, and we just nurture that regularly. Thanks. Thanks so much, Katie, uh, for the question and Ken. Um, next up, we have Matthew, and that's followed by either Lori or Mary. I may have heard heard that wrong. A little birdie told me so. Matthew, you're up. Hi, my name is Matthew. I'm a compulsive overeater in France. Um, thank you, all three of you. That was just amazing. I learned so much. I knew, and, and um, I just got so much out of out of all three of your your, your tremendous shares. Um, my question is for Shanna, Shanna C in Tennessee. Um, would you mind walking me through like sort of your daily step 11 practice? Because um, I sure want what you have. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, what an honor it is to be asked that because I, um, I get emotional, forgive me. Um, to be someone who's even asked what do you do because I want what you have is so unbelievably remarkable to me because I know the kind of person I've been and what I'm capable of, but for the grace of God. Um, okay, but just to keep it simple, uh, it's amazingly simple. My prayer and meditation, uh, I wake up realizing that I'm a, that I'm a person that is uh, prone to misery and depression, someone who is, uh, you know, but through the help of a power greater than me, that I am a compulsive overeater and I desperately need my thinking to be um, guided, you know, because left to my own devices, I destroy myself and others. So in a nutshell, I wake up and I'm in, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm laying in the bed and, and it's okay. Before I even roll out of bed, God, please direct my thinking, you know, and it's not always pretty. I don't have this beautiful flowery meditation kind of thing happening. I'm just being completely truthful. Um, I wake up, God direct my thinking and I, you know, I, you know, I wake up a little bit and I get on my knees and I ask God, um, for help. I pray that he direct my thinking, be especially divorced of self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives and fear. I ask God for the willingness and the ability, uh, to please keep me sober, abstinent and sane and for the willingness and the ability to stick with the food plan and live by spiritual principles. I continue on with a third step prayer and, uh, prayers in step four and five, six, seven. And I ask God uh, to, for everyone to be blessed by, by God, to everyone on this planet, especially in all the 12-step recovery programs, and anyone seeking, anyone coming into this world, anyone in this world, and anyone on their way out, that they be given everything they need spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally, and everything that I want for myself be given to them. That's what I pray, and I just keep it really simple, and I pray uh, the Lord's Prayer at the end of it. I ask God uh, that throughout this day, uh, please uh, direct my my steps, you know, and show me what I can do to be helpful. The man is still sick. Please show me where any self-will is, is creeping in and blocking off, and please give me the courage and the strength and the ability to 10-step that as it crops up, to surrender, and to stay, you know, in conscious contact. And to give, I pray for opportunities to be helpful and willingness to make amends when I cause harm because I'm not cured. Um, and it's not a white-knuckle thing. It is a daily reprieve, and that maintenance of my spiritual condition happens as a result of 
10, 11, and 12 being interwoven, and I am not perfect at this. And the more I do this, the more I realize how imperfect I am and how much in need of God's grace I am and that I can't change myself. But it's through the courage and having the ability now to get to be wrong and admit my wrongs honestly and have the grace of people that can understand and, and be directed. Um, that's where that humility comes. And with that humility comes the power of God. It's not my power, it's God's. And I, that's where I'm in that safety and protection. And that's where I get the courage to share my dark past because it is my greatest asset. And I'm not alone in the world anymore. And um, anyway, that, that's what I do uh, throughout the day. I follow directions in the big book because it, it, I find it works. It, it feeds my spirit, it feeds my soul. And um, and that's all I have. Thank you. Oh, and I'm Thanks sorry, I did my nightly review at night. Sorry. I, and I finished my <laughs> night with a okay. nightly review. And uh, so on, the, on pages 86 of the big book, and I send my food daily with five gratitudes to my sponsor at night before I go to sleep. Sorry about that. I almost forgot. That's it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for the question, Matthew. So we're going to go. Um, I heard a Lori and I heard, a, a, I guess maybe that could have been Mary, but let's go with Mary C. And if there was a Lori, we'll go with that after. Mary C., are you on the line? Yes, I am. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for your service and everybody that spoke today. Um, I greatly appreciate it because I'm actually just starting step eight and I'm just really, I, I guess the world would be less, a little terrified of, uh, I started my list, but today in listening to people talking, it's like I've added so many already to my list to just now listening to you. Um, but I guess my, my question is, some of it's confusing as far as whom we've harmed and who's harmed us. Um, I guess that is my question. Okay. Make, I, I think I make amends. I mean, do you understand what I'm, what I mean? I do. I do. Let me see if I could, if I could formulate it with my little brain here. Um, yeah, I ran into that too, Mary, where <clears throat> early on <clears throat> there were plenty of people that harmed me and, mm -hmm. And it was a little bit more difficult in some cases, you know, did I create any harm or it got a little bit more confusing as I moved from four and all of a sudden I'm at nine and wait, did I or didn't I? And so, hey, Sam, can you help clarify that a little bit for, for, for Mary? If that makes sense? Or did sure, I confuse I it more? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think sometimes the whole process can be really confusing. Um, so I was thinking um, your question, Mary, it's a really good question. Um, when it talks about our inventory, um, our actual inventory process in the big book, it states that we need to make sure that our first, I'm paraphrasing here while I try to find it, but it talks about how we want to make sure, okay, here we go. I'm on page 67, the second full paragraph. It says, referring to our list again, putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done, we resolutely look for our own mistakes. Where have we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened? Though a situation has not been entirely our fault, we try to disregard the other person involved entirely. Where were we to blame? The inventory was ours, not the other man's. So I use that same, um, that same section for my amends. 
though there might be harms that they have done, I am looking for my mistakes. I'm making restitution for my mistakes. Their mistakes really don't, um, they're not a part of this process. You know, right, wrong, or indifferent, whatever anybody does. I mean, we all make mistakes, but the part of the amends process, this is my recovery. So I need to make sure that I'm, I'm cleaning things off that I have done. So I hope that's helpful for you, Mary. If you um, have any other confusion, I'd be happy to talk to you offline. Yeah, and then we'll, uh, we'll also get the contact information, Mary, for our panelists, too, if you want to reach out to other panelists, uh, members as well. They may have something to add. Thanks, Sam. Okay, did was there a Lori? Or was my mom Lori's name just was her voice ringing in my head? Maybe that's the case. Okay, so I'm going to move on to a question from Jen, followed by Elise. Jen, good morning. Good morning, this is Jenna. Hi, Jen. Uh-oh, Jen, I think we, we lost you. Star one. There we go. Um, there you are. Service, everyone. <laughs> this is a dance, huh? Um, so I, my question is about honesty. I heard each of you share about the honesty it took to go through the steps and make the amends. My question is about, you know, hold on one second, sweetie. Uh, my question is about honesty on an ongoing basis after being recovered. So I found the challenge for me is like, you know, the tendency to relax the standards, but that, you know, true recovery on an ongoing basis requires not relaxing the standards, not, you know, whether it comes to, you know, behaviors with others, behaviors with um, our families, et cetera. So I'm just curious. Uh, my experience is too what Sam said about like where there's dishonesty in one area, it tends to aggregate or, um, you know, the way I do anything is the way I do everything. So um, any of the panelists would love to hear your thoughts on how we, um, I guess, continue to resist that tendency as humans to relax the standards. Thanks. That makes perfect sense. Panelists, who want to jump in? I'll give it a go, Mr. Ken. <laughs> uh, can I be heard? Yeah, Ken, we can hear you. Loud I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know if I muted. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I'm reminded of uh, a Billy Joel song, and he said, honesty is such a lonely word, and everyone is so untrue. Um, I lived that all my life, and the goal today is to uh, be different, um, to, to not be untrue. Um, I know when I'm lying today. It's that simple. I know in my gut when I'm lying, and I need to make an amend for that when, I'm, when I know that. I need to make an amend to that person all, virtually immediately uh, that, that I wasn't being clear, I wasn't being honest, fully honest with my feeling, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It is about uh, changed life. So, yes, um, there is no relaxing of the standard. There can't be because my, my magical mind, magically mysterious uh, mind, will be able to um, make up an excuse for any kind of behavior if I let it. And that includes 
not being honest. Uh, so um, withholding information is not being honest, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's an ongoing process, and the standard actually uh, the, the bar is high, and yet we have been given I have been given the power and the strength by God to uh, move in that direction every day every day so the standard in a sense changes but it always gets stronger it gets it gets firmer that's all that's what i have thanks Th thanks so much ken for answering that question for jen answering uh, jen's question okay we're going to move on to elise followed by felicia elise good morning good morning this is elise from florida compulsive overeater thank you for your service and thank you for the three panelists. It was amazing. I have a question. Um, I know I need to make a lot of amends to many people, and that's where I am stuck right now. I have COVID haul long haulers, and it's stuck me everywhere, in the brain, in the body, in the food, everywhere. But one thing that's bothering more than ever is a friend who is going through major depression, and I've tried to been there for that person on a daily basis. And not getting response, we started out as a hot relationship, and now it's friendship, and I'm willing to accept that. I would like to send him maybe a, a, a bite or a sound bite from the three panelists to find out if him listening to that, because he's not forgiving himself. He's supposedly so God, heavenly, wordly of God, and yet he won't forgive himself. So I was wondering if you have any panelists have any suggestions, and I know you can't take a, cow, a a horse to water, but can't make him drink. But if there's anything that you could support me in helping this friend, so he doesn't, he actually wound up having 70 over 50 in the hospital, and uh, almost died. So anyway, you can help me. I'd appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, Elise. Well, I yeah, it it, it made sense somewhat. Um, but does anyone want to? sort of address that that question about, uh, that um that uh, Elise posed. Um hey Larry, it's Sam. I'll take a I'll take a stab at it. Sure. Yeah. Um thank you Elise for your question. Um you know, I was thinking about um me when I was in my uh when I was in uh, the throes of my disease and the throes of the pain Anything that anybody would say, like, um, it was it, it was just kind of, it was, to be perfectly honest, frothy emotional appeal, and it didn't work. It really wasn't until, like, I kind of got into my own pain that, um, that enough was enough once the threshold was high enough. So um, I think one of the wonderful, uh, beautiful things about recovery is focusing on my um, and my own recovery and my own journey um, and hoping that that will be a light um, to someone else um, getting to watch how my life has changed. I do have people um, in my uh, very, very close circle um, that are in a lot of pain and pushing them um, has really never done anything but um, being, uh, being the only big book that anybody is maybe ever going to read by my actions have spoken, I think, a lot louder. So I hope that's helpful to you. Thanks, Sam, for taking that one. Okay, let's, let, in the interest you. of time, let's. That was helpful. Thank you. You, you bet. You bet. 
So in the interest of time, let's move on to Felicia followed by Eileen. Felicia, star one. Good morning all, thank you for your service. Thank you for a beautiful talk this morning. I'm Felicia, I'm a recovered, or, sorry, that's not true. I am a recovering uh, compulsive overeater. A question for all the panelists. Um, in the ninth step, is there something specific in your script that is the same for every amend you do? For example, I know I've been told to ask the um, the person, what can I do to make it right? Um, and there are a few other questions. Are there specific questions you use um, that help you with your amend process? Thank you. That's pretty clear, Felicia. Let's go Shanna all the way down real quick. So Shanna, you want to start off if you'd like? Yes, uh, this is uh, Shanna, grateful recover compulsive leader. Thank you so much for your question. Uh, yes, um, when I, whenever I'm making a direct formal amends, of, of course, it's always, I'm always praying and I'm always uh, talking with my sponsor first. That's, that's a given. Uh, so that I have a clear direction on what it is um, I know I'm responsible for. But when in talking with that person, I am praying and I'm praying for the timing. And um, at this, while I do have the script, um, I am relying on God for the work. Because the amends going to go how it's going to go because I have no real control over it. But in general, in general, my script is this is what I know I've done to, to have harmed you. Um, here's what I know. Is there anything else I may be unaware of that I've done or said that has caused you harm in any way? And if so, please, uh, you know, feel free to let me know. And I let them talk and I shut up and I listen. And then I ask, is there anything else? And then I shut up and I let them talk. And then I ask them, what can I do to make it right? And then they let me know. And whatever they, it is, they say, whether it is, it's okay, you know, whether they offer their version of grace or whatever it is, I take that and I go with it and I say, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And um, I'm so sorry all of that has happened and I will do the best I can humanly possible, you know, to, that that never happens again, you know, that kind of thing. And I'll spend the rest of my life trying to be the best friend, whatever you know, I can be to you. And that's, that's it in a nutshell. It's that framework. Um, they're not all exactly the same. Like I said, thanks is all I have. Thanks for the question. Thanks, Shanna. If, if anyone else, if Ken or Sam wants something to add, we can do that. Okay. If not, we can move on to a question from Eileen. Eileen, star one. Was there an Eileen that uh, that had a question? Okay, maybe not. Uh, so we're we're getting up to the top of the hour here, but why don't we perhaps uh, another two or three questions for the panelists? Jim F. Chicago, uh, Illinois. J Jim. Um, so. I, I, Thanks. Sir, hold hold on, panel. Jim. One second. Yeah, one Sorry. second, Jim. Was there was yeah, no problem. Was there one other person perhaps with a question? If not, we'll just go with Jim. 
Okay. Fire away, Jen. Thanks so thanks for the, your patience. Jim, uh, star one. What a great meeting. Thank you, everybody. Um, Sam talked about um, behaving at work in a way that um, works for her today and works for God and her life. And um, my question is, is, how do you keep yourself accountable to that? Um, yeah, I think that's it. That's my question. Thanks, Jim. Sam? Jim, that's such a great question. Um, I think accountability is something that I have learned um, I need a high level of. Um, so at first, the way that I that I stayed accountable was um, I would commit it over to someone um, each day. Um, now what I do, and somebody else had asked a question before about honesty. Um, you can't unring the bell, I think. And, and I've heard that expression before. And I'm, <laughs> Maybe I don't know exactly what it means, but for me, I can't, I can't unsee what I've seen. So um, I stay accountable um, every day because it actually feels like physically discontent um, if I am acting out of alignment with what it is. Another thing that helps, to be perfectly honest with you, is I am still paying back oodles of dollars um, that I owe my employers, um, multiple um, for the conduct. So that always helps knowing that I don't want, I don't want to have to give back more money. Um, but yeah, so I think what it is, is uh, honestly like that con conscience, which uh, I think is uh, really um, like the spirit stirring in me that keeps me accountable, how yucky I feel. And also to knowing like, I, I want this gift of recovery. I don't want to have to go back to the food. And if I slip back, it'll only, it, it's a very fine line but before I start going back in the food. So um, I think the, the high respect I have for this disease also helps. So I hope that's helpful for you. Thanks. Thanks so much, Sam. And Jim, thanks for the, the uh, question. And, um, and in wrapping up today, thank you uh, to our three panelists. Just what a lovely, terrific job you guys did. Shanna C. from Tennessee, Ken W.H. from North Carolina, and then, of course, Sam S. from uh, from Rhode Island, and uh, we are, uh, let me give you the share ID for today's special edition presentation. That number is 19,193. That's 19193. And so we're going to close now from page 164 from a chapter entitled um, A Vision for You. And, uh, and at, at the conclusion of the recording, we'll ask the, uh, the panelists to leave their contact information if they, if they care to. So our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you, something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. 
we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.